really a selfless position, uh, you know, fullback. It's, it's all dirty work. I mean, there's no real glory, and he's not really getting the ball in carries, and you know, not. I threw it. I definitely throw it to him. Um, but being a lead blocker really sets the tone for uh, for the offense. It's a very valuable position, and uh, anyone that can create holes and that physical style toughness in the run game is really important for us. Three tight ends, including Hayden. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Kyle Hey everybody, welcome to episode number two of the third season, third season and running strong of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Rotor Street Journal. I, of course, am your host, Nat The Truth Jones. With me, as always, my recovering, but still, I want to say, you know, resilient. For some reason, the the word buoyant came to mind. he still he still floats in water. <laughs> Do I the, look like the, I would float the, if you the, threw me in there? I don't know. It depends what you're wearing. Um, you know, uh, the Wolf of Roto Street himself is with me. Uh, it's been a rough couple weeks, but the guy rebounds better than just about anybody. And I don't mean on a basketball court. I mean, he bounces back. He has been setting up some great interviews. Of course, you've heard the WEI interview with Ryan Hannibal by now, which is great. Honestly, one of our better interviews, uh, which is awesome since it's like the fifth time he's been on the show. And today... You know, we've we've given each other a lot of help for overusing the word guru, but we're going to do it again. Charles Fisher of fishduck.com. If you want to know anything and everything about Oregon football, this is your guy. Unless you are like, uh, you know, the nephew of maybe like the current head coach or offensive coordinator, you probably don't have access to somebody that knows Oregon football better. And honestly, Charles Fisher might know more than them. I agree. Yeah, I mean, that was probably the most knowledgeable of like in terms of a niche that just dominating it, the spread offense, the zone read and how those concepts might translate into the NFL as Mark Helfrich. The reason we had Charles Fisher on from uh, Oregon, a former head coach and offensive coordinator under Chip Kelly is now joining the Bears. So if you didn't know that name, Mark Helfrich, it's definitely one you need to know, especially after talking to Charles Fisher. I'm more than convinced at this point he's going to make a difference. Fisher labeled him not to give away too much of the interview as the sleeper blockbuster hire of the nfl offseason so we'll see if that actually comes to be true either way he, he's going to mean a lot for mitch trubisky for Tariq cohen jordan howard the receiving game tight end sleepers off the wheezy so it, it was a great interview we really got nitty-gritty maybe the most x's and o's we've ever gotten in an interview uh, so yeah we've gone two for two i know hannibal was more just timely the patriots there's tons of news going on let's talk about them with our connections and get you know fan perspective and insider reporters perspective together this one though we're, we're really getting back to our fantasy roots digging into the x's and o's of an offensive system that's going to be at least you know worked into matt nagy he's, he's the play caller there in the bears but we know that helfrich is going to get his fingerprints on that offense and now i know way more about him and, and you guys should be excited to learn more because it's crucial yeah, there's some great information there. And I mean, I originally, when we decided to do this interview, and by the way, I, w- I want to give special thanks to Mr. Fisher, because this is actually the second time we've done the interview. Yep. We actually messed up the first time. He was gracious enough to come back. So thank you very much. Uh, very, very generous with his time and, and his knowledge, of which he has tons. I mean, just an abundance yep. of knowledge about Oregon and football in general. 
But anyway, I mean, the, the reason that I love the interview so much is because, you know, obviously Helfridge going to the offensive coordinator job for the Bears. Bears are a totally forgettable team uh, yep. fantasy-wise. And he made me do double takes on some guys and be like, well, wait a minute. Maybe I'm looking past some of this. So give it a listen. Um, you know, tell your friends or don't. Uh, you know, keep the keep the information to yourself. But anyway, he's with FishDuck.com. He's the real deal. He told us a lot. So uh, without further ado, here's Charles Fisher, uh, FishDuck.com. All right, we are back. We are thrilled to welcome Charles Fisher again. We are talking in the intro. This is actually, he's been gracious enough to come on a second time. Probably only a few of you heard the first interview with him, which was great. Had some audio difficulties. Uh, Mr. Fisher from fishduck.com has been uh, gracious enough to give us a little more of his time. Come back, answer some of the hard-hitting Oregon and, by extension, Chicago Bears questions uh, that, we've, that we're going to put to him. Uh, the Wolf and I have been waiting for a week to do this again. So thanks so much for coming back again, Charles. We really appreciate you taking the time. I'm delighted to be here. Awesome. Wolf, why don't you kick things off? Awesome. So just for beginning purposes, introductions, since many of our listeners are more NFL based and they might not be aware of fishduck.com and you, Charles Fisher, could you just give us a quick kind of intro and summary of who you are and what you're kind of bringing the table to us and, and listeners right now? Sure. Uh, when Coach Mike Bellotti brought the spread offense to Oregon in 2007, I didn't understand it. And that went on for the next three, four or five years as it moved into the Chip Kelly years. But Again, I began coaching with, uh, or excuse me, consulting with coaches, and I wanted to learn the spread. And consequently, beginning in late 2011, began creating instructional videos about the Oregon offense and defense. These 50 videos created over a year before the Pac-12 stopped me, and that's another story in itself. Um, they have been viewed 1.7 million times, and even now continue to be viewed on average 24 hours of the day and i haven't made a video in over five years so the site has been written up in the washington post twice i've been quoted and featured in the wall street journal as well our alexa global ranking last month december put us in the top one percent in the world among all active websites for hits and visits in a month and we're just a small niche site we have a lot of coaches that come to us we are all volunteer. I'm an investment advisor by day, and although the site is not designated as a nonprofit, it pretty much operated that way for the past six and a half years. Mm-hmm. We just want to keep learning football as we have, and we have over 100, 350 analysis articles all about the Oregon spread offense and defense, and now we even have an analysis library for people to be able to refer to. Coaches have been able to win because of this site, whether it's a small high school team that had one of the best seasons in its history or the semi-pro team that went from a 500 team to being ranked number one out of over 2,000 teams the very next year. We've had coaches come to us from across the United States, and I've even been contacted from coaches internationally as I found our articles translated into Romanian. I've gotten uh, emails in Portuguese from Brazil. Coaches have contributed to the site articles from Hawaii all the way to upstate New York. And kind of as our permanent contribution to football, if you Google the words inside zone read or outside zone read, you will see that out of over 6 million listings, not only is fishduck.com on the first page, it's up near the top of the first page in each example. 
Well, I mean, that, yeah, I'm sold. There we go. <laughs> well, the reason we're having you on is that obviously former Oregon coordinator and then head coach Mark Helfrich is joining the NFL ranks. He's going to be the offensive coordinator at the Chicago Bears. And I'll just say as an aside, they desperately need a, a good offensive coordinator. So hopefully this is the guy. Can you tell us a little bit about Mark Helfrich, his history with Oregon, uh, what kind of a guy is he personality-wise, any general background information that any interested parties would want to know? Sure. To me, Mark Helfrich is the blockbuster uh, sleeper hire of the year in the NFL. And I think a year from now, people will acknowledge that. And that sounds aggressive, but that is how I feel. It's kind of like economists in my other field of financial consulting. They're often wrong, but never in doubt. Coach Hilfitch grew up in an Oregon coastal town and went on to become a record-setting quarterback at Southern Oregon University. Now, my first awareness of him is when he served as quarterback coach for then Arizona State uh, head coach Dirk Cutter, who's now the head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks. His quarterback, uh, Andrew Walters, came up to Autzen Stadium and threw for 536 yards to beat my number six-ranked beloved Oregon Ducks. Before coaching, Helfrich, most people aren't aware, Helfrich was accepted at two medical schools. He is very, very smart. And anybody who knows Chip Kelly knows that Chip Kelly does not suffer fools. And he only surrounds himself with people that have the intellect to keep up. So for him to be attracted to Helfrich and bring him onto his team here at Oregon says a lot right there. Many people would say, oh, well, Chip called the plays and did the game planning. I say baloney because when Chip went to the NFL, his offense began to stagnate, whereas at Oregon, the innovative game plans continued and the innovation of the Oregon offense continued under Helfrich after Chip left. Mark is a very good, decent man. He's the kind of man you'd want as your father. He was a fantastic offensive coordinator, a quarterback coach. Marcus Mariota attributes everything to him. One of the best photos I have is just a heartful hug of Mariota bear-hugging Helfrich in the tunnel before the Pac-12 championship game in 2014. Many people don't know of him. I had one coach say, look, at a coaching clinic, he showed up early. And because it was in a high school gymnasium, they had all the volleyball nets and everything. Helfrich, and again, most coaches are pretty full of themselves. And they would sit there and wait. Helfrich helped put all the volleyball nets away, and then after the event, help turn around and put them back out. And that high school coach said, no college coach has ever done that in the past year. He is a good man with no eagle. Now, he's not a great head coach because he is best in a small group like coaching quarterbacks. He's a player's coach. He really did not have the leadership to command a full team. He didn't recruit as well as he could, and he did not hire well, especially in the defensive coaching side. And that was his downfall. But he's a damn good offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. I wish he had never left that role at Oregon. And that, I mean, that's perfect because that's the role he's going to be in. So to have that humility, but the the genius, so the humility to kind of defer to Nagy if if he needs to, but also the the brains to really scheme and come up with some amazing concepts is what's going to make Helfrich hopefully an excellent coordinator if he's as, as bright as you're saying. And I fully trust you know him as any as well as anybody. Uh, so let's kind of dig in then in terms of what might we expect from him coordinating, what type of plays he might be calling, what type of concepts he might be bringing in. 
we could maybe even go if you're willing to go position by position and start with you mentioned Marcus Mariota so quarterback like what do you see him trying to implement with Mitch Trubisky and what does he like to do with his quarterbacks well let's before we get to that, let's take a look at generically what he likes to do. Sure. You'll see a, you'll see a multitude of formations to run the same basic plays. Hence, it would be complicated for a defense, but easy for the offense to execute. Chip did not like to use motion, but Helfrich would later. That way, it would reveal the defense to Mariota going into the play. Mm-hmm. Game plans. Now, see, you'd have a playbook of X amount of plays at Oregon, but they'd only use a package, a particular package for a game. But he would always pull out something from the past. I'll never forget it against Washington 2014. We were kind of bogged down. Things weren't going well. It's second and goal on the five-yard line. I remember thinking, what in the world is he going to call? We scored the next play on a play that had not been run in four years. Now, it was in the Oregon playbook. But how in the world would the Husky defense be ready for that? That's the kind of thing he'll have ready going into every game. He will like to have a trick play or two on hand for every game to help unsettle an opponent. Usually, people that are brilliant with the X's and O's have an ego to match. But he doesn't. And that's why he had that brilliance and he could defer to Chip Kelly. And I think he'll mesh up with uh, with Nagy really well in that regard. Because, again, it's the head coach who will be approving or vetoing a particular play and offering his input. Certainly, Helfrich could have joined Chip at UCLA. But I sensed that he felt it was probably easier to work with Nagy. And I think he probably wanted to have his NFL experience and give it a shot as well. At a coaching clinic, Coach Helfrich explained how he liked to use four verticals to attack the defense thrown at Oregon to offset these cover three and cover four defenses. That sounds like that could match up well with what Nagy wants to do and what Trubisky can do. Now, Oregon would often switch verticals, meaning the outside receiver would run inside. The inside receiver would then loop around outside the original outside receiver and get open down the sideline. Now, how would Trubinsky watch all four verticals at once? He won't. Helfrich will tell the quarterback which two matchups to follow Mm. and make it easier for him. Back in 2015 against USC, Helfrich knew the Trojan middle linebacker started was injured and was replaced by a freshman. So he sent four verticals down the field and sent them primarily to flag and corner routes to help open up the middle. Then he sent the running back out of the backfield, speeding past that middle linebacker down the hash for a touchdown pass. That's the kind of matchups he'll like to, he'll like to attack. Now, I think he can create some game plans using the talents the Bears have to the fullest. Oregon did not have Alabama-sized offensive linemen, yet had one of the nation's top rushing attacks. <laughs> Chip liked 60% running. Helfrich adjusted to having Mariota less more passing and believed in a balanced offense between running inside and outside, passing versus running, as well as within the passing attack itself, mixing it up. I wouldn't be surprised if Helfrich implemented some of the green, yellow, red, no-huddle packages that he first introduced and basically, you know, as you know, reintroduced the the no-huddle philosophy to both the NFL and to college football. Now, Chip intended to do the spread and some NFL offense mixed in, whereas I think Helfrich is going to conform to the NFL offense of the West Coast in addition to the spread components here and there mixed in to help boost the run production for the Bears. 
Helfrich has a system and not just a bunch of plays. He knows what will be thrown at him, such as the scrape exchange, the cover zero, the slow play. These are examples, and he has counters to the counters. Bear fans need to get need to accept the fact that he'll probe a defense early on, and they'll often start out with a three and out, or even two, or maybe even three three and outs, as he's seen how the defense is set up, how they're going to align, and what the player assignments are to formations. Again, don't be surprised or disappointed with early three and outs because it can set up a tidal wave of scoring later on. Again, he is very easy to work with, very flexible and very intelligent and thus can add to the offensive line, offensive attack, in my belief, in a very non-confrontational way. Very interesting stuff. Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent overall picture of, you know, what the, the Bears can fan, expect week to week. Just a holistic view of his offense, likes to play to his strengths, likes to use motion, likes to put people in positions to succeed, finds those matchups both before the game and also a great in-game adjustments. I mean, all that stuff makes for fantastic coaching. And then when we talk about, you know, fantasy football, owners love just like the, the specific players they can tie, tie to think of. So if you can kind of now paint that picture, but zoom in on different positions. So quarterback or running back, I, I don't know exactly where we should start. Um, but I, I want to ask a question before we go into that. Well, we'll, we'll okay. just take a second. One of the things you said I found really interesting, and I just wanted to ask a yeah. quick follow-up. So you said uh, Helfrich likes to send four vertical and you know on some plays, and then you say, well, how is Mitch Trubisky going to follow four vert- vertical guys? And you said he's not. He's going to know which two to follow. So my that's really interesting and a cool way to – you know, make it a little more simple, especially for a young quarterback. Here's my question, and this is a, just a little bit of an aside. You got four guys going vertical, and he's watching two of them. Do the four vertical guys know who's being watched, or, or are they all running their routes as if it could be them? Okay, and in the coaching clinic that Helfrich spoke, he didn't say that. Okay, I'm, all right. <laughs> he I'm did say that. <laughs> I, I've, got to, I've got to assume that the other two guys have got to sell their routes. Right, so. right. You don't want to say, like, you don't worry, the ball's not coming your way. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just make right. it look good. All right, I've always right. just wondered that. That was interesting. <laughs> well, and as a side note, I got to attend many Oregon coaching clinics. I would pretend that I was. A, I would sign up as a high school coach. Yeah. And I would say, you know, Charles Fisher of you know, South Charleston High, West Virginia. And they would roll their <laughs> eyes and they would let me in. They knew who I was. Right. right. <laughs> like, oh, That's sorry. awesome. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, ahead, well, four verticals being an example of how he might simplify the game for Trubisky. What are some other ways you see him using this guy who's athletic, he's got a big arm, uh, but still was raw coming out of college, and we saw a lot of that that raw tendency in his first year as a, as a rookie. How do you see him both developing Trubisky and kind of using him as well? Well, I think he can help Trubisky enormously in terms of reading defenses, mechanics, and especially the right attitude toward the big plays and the big games. Mitch is perfect for what Helfrich wants to do. You've got to have a great arm to develop into a top NFL quarterback, and he has that. But you need enough speed for an occasional scramble or zone read. A passing quarterback who can run a little is ideal. We don't want the opposite, obviously. Now, Trubisky could do a little bit of zone read and elevate the offense, and not because of the quarterback runs. The essence of the zone read, which I could see Helfrich adding, the objective of it is not what most people think. When you're zone reading, let's say the left defensive end, that means you're not blocking him. And whatever he does, it's wrong. In other words, if he, if he runs after the running back, 
there's a huge gap there the quarterback can run through. Now, that doesn't happen very often, but what it does, he's running down the backside of the defense in open field, and then it's easy to slide, and you pick up your, your first down 8 to 10 yards. Sometimes you can break a big play on that. But the real component is usually the defensive end will sit. Okay, When they sit, look, you'll hand off. You always want a handoff. Chip Kelly said, we want the running backs running the ball, so he'll be handing off. But what that means is without blocking that offside defensive end or linebacker, the, the run blocking responsibilities shift over one more. There's an extra blocker effectively on the right, or on this example, the play side. Any coach will say that if we can get an extra blocker on the play side, we, will, we love that. And what that does then is that gives you not only um, – more opportunities on outside zone read. Let's say you've got two high safeties. Bingo. We're going to have an extra man. The free safety is not going to be free. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, if you have had on half blocking on the run side, you're going to be able to make people miss in the open field and consequently the big plays. It's also a great way to negate a, a defensive end or a defensive tackle because no matter how good they are, whatever they do is wrong. And it does slow down the pass rush and create hesitation. Most people would think of Oregon as finesse, yet you're not going to be in the top five in the nation for five years straight in rushing and scoring unless you have a great offensive run game. The Ducks led the Pac-12 in rushing for 10 straight years, and before that, they didn't even do it once in a 30-year period prior to that. So Trubisky, he runs runs a 4-6-40. So again... If the defensive end changes, chases the running back inside, he can pull the ball and scamper and make a good yardage off of it. Helfrich will create hesitation with the zone read and then hurt them badly with play action. It takes a lot of pressure off the pocket passing attack. Mm-hmm. And you have a backup center there at Chicago, Horonis Grisou, who was a star at Oregon, who could snap the shotgun snap, beat the running back to the corner, and lead him to the next level. Max Unger was a center at Oregon, he now at New Orleans, and he could do that as well. Mixing in all of this creates a ton for an opponent to prepare for between the usual NFL pass and attack, the zone read thrown in here and there to create doubt and to help the running game. Again, two high safeties, Chip would attack that with the running game. One high safety, that's not going to defend against an NFL pass and attack. Mm-hmm. One play I like very well is what I call the sweep read, where you have the typical pin and pull, where you have people blocking down on the outside and then um, linemen, offensive linemen pulling and running to the outside. There you have not only the extra blocker, because again, we're zone reading somebody, not blocking them, and that shifts the responsibilities to the play side, but you have a much larger guy pulling, blocking a smaller defensive back. It's, again, a great way to, to uh, freeze a great defensive lineman inside against you. So, again, they'll have to defend the zone read. They'll have a hat-on-hat blocking on the play side. Play action passes to deal with, spin-off variations of the zone read plays, and the defense will have to defend against a true NFL pass and attack. That, to me, is a lot for one <laughs> 
That that is absolutely a, a ton. And you mentioned you started getting into the, the run game a bit, the hat on hat blocking and the way the zone read works into that. And, and a guy, you know, like Jordan Howard, their their power back. Um he, he does fantastic reading his blocks. You know, he's not the, the fastest guy, he's not the the flashiest name, but he certainly has the vision. He has when he sees space, he's great at, at figuring out how to create more of it and, and cut to the open field and all that. Uh, so if he gets that many blockers in front of him, that much of a convoy, I've never been a diehard Jordan Howard guy uh, as terms of his talent. But this type of scheme seems like it could really fit him well. Um, what other ways does Helfrich kind of like using his running backs? You know, it, it, in Chicago, they kind of have, like I mentioned, Howard, this big power back. Um, and they also have this guy, Tariq Cohen, a smaller scat bat, but extremely explosive. The the kind of guy, you know, one cut and he's gone if you make somebody miss. So what are some ways, you know, at Oregon, I know obviously you mentioned they have the, the leading rushing attack in the nation for, or the Pac-12 for 10 years straight or whatever that, that stat was incredible. What are some ways he uses the running backs to create such a dominant attack? Well, people think of Oregon as the small scat backs like Michael James and DeAnthony Thomas. But we sent LeGarrette Blunt, who was with who has been with both Super Bowl teams this week, yep. and Jonathan Stewart at Carolina as stout running backs to the NFL, and the draft is about to see the next beast from Oregon in Royce Freeman. Mm-hmm. But but really we're looking for guys who can who have great vision that can make the one cut and go. Make the linebacker commit to a gap, and then you make one cut and cut to the open one. Mm -hmm. A running back with great vision will do better in this offense than perhaps even a power back. And the reason is because the defense knows we're going to have an extra blocker on the play side. They're frequently going to over-pursue, and it creates big cutback lanes. So you need to begin and then be able to see that cutback lane in a fraction of a second and make that cutback. That's actually been a big difference at Oregon between running backs we brought in that we thought were incredibly talented, but they did not have that vision to be able to see that play develop early on. Now, the second thing I would say is can the running back catch? Obviously, um, Helfrich liked to, to, uh, he liked to attack a, um, a cover two, sending the wide receivers deep, and then send the running back in behind them in a wheel route. But that also depends upon the skills of the running back. So um, I would say the the vision and the ability to catch the ball is going to be the most important components for a running back in this offense. I'm reading, even just as you were saying that, I pulled up Jordan Howard's you know scouting report in strengths. It says, pro-ready vision gives him an outstanding feel for run lane developments at the line of scrimmage and onto the second level. I mean, that sounds... Exactly like you described, the the cutback lanes, the over-pursuit. And, and, I mean, this could make him just a complete stud. He, he was already one of the – he was the second leading rusher in the NFL as, as a rookie. So, I mean, he, he's got that r- running ability. and then the, But he, he doesn't have the hands. Like he, he had the most drops among running backs last year. So this probably will be more of a committee situation. Like, um, I don't know if, if Helfrich is similar to that where he likes to have – you said he has a power back and then, like, the pass catching, the scat backs – with Tariq Cohen, and he's the one that everyone's kind of getting excited about, this Tariq Cohen guy. You said wheel routes and things like that. What are some, if you don't mind digging more into that, ways he's used his his scat backs? Because people are just getting so excited about Tariq Cohen, and, and rightfully so. He's one of the most explosive players in the NFL that was really misused, underutilized last year. Do you have any other kind of specific ways he uses that, that scat back? Um, 
they do like to do quite a bit of variations off the basic play. So whether it's an outside zone read where after perhaps they pulled the ball, then suddenly the running back is thrown back to again. Or frequently they will pull the blockers going one direction. They'll have the running back going the opposite direction. The running back is supposed to follow the blockers, right? No, they will totally mess up the defense by zone reading a different man, having the blockers go one way, the pursuit goes that way. And then effectively what I like to call um, a naked, effectively a naked zone read to the opposite side. So he'll he'll, uh, zone read a particular defender that's out there and effective. And then again, you have wide open space and you can make people miss. This is where the the receivers are going to be big within the offense as well on plays like that. Fantastic. (laughs) Well, speaking of receivers, I think that's a great transition. You know, we've talked about the running backs a lot, creating open space. You get Cohen open space. I mean, he's going to be gone. He's going to score a ton of uh, long touchdowns there. But what about the receivers? The Chicago Bears wide receiving core is really in flux right now. No kidding. Uh, Right. So we don't really know who's going to be there. But what type of receivers have typically thrived with Helfrich and how has he used them? Well, he likes the wide receivers to be tall and with length. For blocking mm-hmm. okay it's a lot harder for a smaller defensive back to get off the blocks that way but these guys have to have more than enough speed to be able to peel off for the pass patterns is this receiver a good actor to sell the defensive back that a block is coming and then he blows right past him you know does he have the speed to get open and stretch the field because again in this offense, we want to stretch the field off uh, horizontally and vertically, and that wide receiver speed is going to be essential for that separation. Um, once we create that open field, that separation, it creates the space to run the ball and, again, create that one miss and the explosion plays that we have talked about there in the past. What about I, – I remember vividly talking to you last week, and I remember being like, we need to make sure we run this by again. So it's the next obvious one in the progression. Talk to us a little bit about how Oregon uses their tight ends because there is a, a pot- potential breakout guy on the Bears uh, that, that we could see as an impact guy. I'm interested to see if that fits with how Helfridge used tight ends at Oregon. Um, tight end is the position that Oregon is probably least known for, and we have the most of any position in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, we have sent tight end after tight end. I believe we've got two of them in the tight ends, two of the Oregon tight ends in the NFL right now. Um, we like to have at least two out there. He uses a lot of H-backs as well. Um, sometimes to offset some of the zone read things, the H-backs will come into motion and go into blocking as well. And so the linebackers are going to get messed up a lot in the zone read offense. And this is where the the tight ends can exploit it. He'll send um, tight ends on seam routes. So keep in mind, the eyes of the linebacker have got to watch that mesh between the quarterback and the running back. Meanwhile, you've got a tight end blowing past you down the seam. It sets up big plays. And if that tight end can make that free safety miss, then bingo, you've got even a bigger play going. So, I, I like to see I like to see how Helfrich is going to use the four verticals here because frequently again the tight end will be covered even by a free safety and again they'll tie up their eyes with the zone read action and then get past them in the passing game. So I, I think you could have some great potential with your tight end there. <laughs> 
Mm. That's fantastic because they do have this guy. He's very raw. He, he's 6'6". His name's Adam Shaheen. 6'6", 278, runs a, a 4'6". So for his size, he's got some very dangerous speed. And that really meshes with uh, Nagy, too, who who loved Travis Kelsey, led the league in deep receptions for tight ends of uh, catches 20-plus yards. Kelsey actually, a fun little fact, had more 20-plus yard receptions than fellow teammate Tyree Kill, who's regarded as maybe the best deep threat in the league right now. So Nagy loves sending his, his tight ends deep down the seems it sounds like that's kind of a, a beautiful marriage right there of Nagy and, and Helfrich in terms of philosophy and ways of attacking the defense so a sleeper emerging there not many people know this guy Adam Shaheen and who knows if that will actually be their number one guy or if they're going to draft people how that might shake out but as things stand right now that's the name that has to get on fantasy football people's radars uh, Adam Shaheen if if Helfrich continues to use the tight end the way he did. Yes. Are you all in, Wolf, on Adam Shaheen? Are you all in? If he's if he's the main guy, I mean, when you say all in, he's not going to go beyond round 12, 13. He'll be a late round pick. But, you know, we talked about penny stocks. He's going to be a penny stock, I take, you know, every okay. single time. Those late that, rounds, that, you know, sleepers. That's an excellent sleeper pick, no doubt about it. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, we've gone kind of position by position. You've painted the overall picture for us really well of the way he attacks it. Uh, the only thing I'm a little bit worried about here is he's coming from the spread, you know, frenetic pace, all this stuff, whereas Nagy's more of a West Coast, kind of like a methodical guy um, in terms of Andy Reid. Now, he might not be exactly like Andy Reid. In fact, he won't be. He'll have his own fingerprints on this. But his roots are in a a West Coast, methodical, grind-out-the-clock type of uh, offense. How do you see these two differences meshing, and can they mesh? Why Why would Nagy even have gone for a guy who's, such a different system, you know, what, what do you think of that? I know it's a lot in that question, but what do you think about that? Well, you know, again, under Mike Bellotti, we operated the West Coast offense, you know, at Oregon. And, mm-hmm. you know, what I saw is how you can integrate the key component of the West Coast offense is yak, yards after catch, yeah, okay, yeah. which actually meshes well with what I've spoken of is we're trying to create matchups to make one man miss and create mm-hmm. explosion plays. I have a tendency to think that once Nagy gets into this and sees the potential of what can happen with the spread, that consequently, um, when he sees more explosion plays than what he's had before, I think marrying the two could work extremely well. Because you got to remember, we have, you know, you have the bubble screen potential on one side, again, yak. It, there, there's a lot of similarities is what I'm getting around to saying between the passing attack with the spread and the zone read along with the West Coast. And you have your typical RPOs, the run pass option plays. On a typical play with Helfrich, he will attack a defense five different ways. Throw in an, NF, an NFL passing attack as well. And I like it. I like the potential marriage of what can happen there. In fact, watching the Bears... You know, I think their their scoring average is going to go way up this year. There's just, I got I've got to think that roster is littered with all kinds of sleepers that can help a a fantasy player. Absolutely no, and. With Nagy, one thing that was different under his – once he took the reins after Andy Reid kind of gave up the play calls was the Chiefs started going after more big plays. Uh, so you talk about that love for the big plays. I can totally see why he'd want a guy like Helfrich who's known to create these mismatches and let the explosion plays happen, as you call them. So th- that's definitely a good way these two will – 
you know, merge and marry is finding those mismatches, creating those yak opportunities. That's all great stuff. I mean, that, that, that's the nitty gritty, man. That's that's the X's and O's. It's probably the deepest we've ever divot, like you know, dove into that type of stuff. So, Charles, we really appreciate this. This is going to be some yeah. very unique, valuable insight that I don't think anybody else out there is going to have. So, this is fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us. Yeah, thanks for coming on a second time. Seriously. Right. As much as we appreciated it the first time, we appreciate it even more the second time. Well, I had fun both times. And again, um, talking about my beloved ducks never gets old. Oh, we're we're, <laughs> we're going to have you back on during the season if you're up for it, because uh, we're, we're going to try to do more like Oregon centric podcast because there's a lot of relevant NFL guys that, they, again, you probably know more about than anybody <laughs> kind of in a sneaky way. It Sounds is intriguing. Great. Speaking of that, I mean, you know Marcus Mariota more than anybody, and I, I don't know if you've been following Tennessee at all, but they, they've recently undergone a, a coaching change, um, and they, they have a new Patriots guy as their head coach, Mike Vrabel, and he's still looking for his offensive coordinator right now. And he was, I mean, I think he definitely mentioned he wanted Helfrich, but he was already gone. Um, and then he tried to get the guy that's at Ohio State that used to work um, is it Robert Day? I believe the guy's name is, uh, but he has you know roots in the the spread attack. What just before we leave? I know this we're focused on the Bears and whatnot, but since you know Mariota more than anybody else, what type of coordinator should the Tennessee Titans be looking for? What's the the best way to get the the most out of him? Because he's coming off a bust season, and we'd love to see him turn it around. Well, to be honest, I think um, Mariota got everything out of Helfrich he needed. Yeah. He needed, in my opinion, he needed more of the NFL pass and attack coordinator, you know, that could help fill in those areas that, that and, and Mariota did have that, especially with the first coach, as I recall. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wiesenant. And so, um, you know, I, I would look to somebody that if they have a little bit of spread background, see, I don't think Mariota was being completely utilized as best he could be. Because right. effectively, Mariota is Trubisky with more speed, mm-hmm. which can be even more deadly on an occasional play. And so um, I would like to, you know, if, if you could have, you know, a guru in the NFL passing attack um, married with a little bit of spread, which is what Chicago is going to have, right? That, that would be the best option. So... Very interesting. I had to throw that one in there with all the the flux going on since the last time we saw you. Well, thanks again, Charles. This was fantastic stuff. We really appreciate you agreeing to rejoin us and come back on. It was awesome. Great fun. Thank you. I mean, I feel like we said it beforehand because we had already heard the interview, so I, I don't want to overdo it, but man, that guy knows his Oregon football. <laughs> Seriously, just a football purist in general, and then obviously in terms of Oregon, the depth of knowledge, I've never met anybody with that much yeah, a stream just goes into everything. He knows play calls they pulled out from like 10 years ago and said, I hadn't seen that in eight years. He, he just is so rooted in Oregon because he's an original fan and you could hear his passion. You know his knowledge. It, it was fantastic and certainly has me reconsidering my values. I know we're going to do a big board episode uh, coming up, but man, uh, guys like Tariq Cohen, Jordan Howard, even Adam Shaheen and Mitch Trubisky, who weren't really ever on my radar to begin with, now definitely getting a lot more consideration especially the running backs that's really where i got most excited was that Tariq cohen jordan howard talk that we had 
Yeah, it was awesome. And I just want to say, if you and I ever in the course of our Rotor Street Journal business, which hopefully will go on for a long, long time, if we yeah. ever find ourselves in Oregon during football season, we got to see if he'll, he'll watch a game with us. Because I'll bet it would be oh, awesome man. to watch a game with him. Seriously. <laughs> that would be thrilling. I mean, he would, yeah, just, be like, he would a- just be breaking it down. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's on pins and needles when he watches Oregon. And, and maybe like he, he can't, couldn't stand to be around us or something. But I would love to watch a game with a guy like that and just watch him break down every single play. Right, exactly. He'll see an alignment and be like, it's been exactly six weeks since we've seen this alignment. And I imagine that the counter, it's inc- its crazy how much that guy knows. So yeah, very impressive Oregon's stuff. probably lucky that he loves Oregon so much because other teams would probably love to hire him for their games against Oregon. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know? Legitimately, yeah. He talked about on the interview how coaches have been using his tapes to learn the spread offense and implement it in their own systems and have had great success with it. So, I mean, that's the type of content you're not going to find anywhere else. So, if this is your first time listening because you're from, you know, fishduck.com and he posted it, thanks, Charles, again. Uh, if this is your first time, you know, we try to bring this type of knowledge to every single episode, the exclusive stuff that you can't find anywhere else. So, we're really trying to, you know, count corner that type of stuff this offseason and, and bring the fantasy knowledge. You know, we're three episodes in and it's four days after the Super Bowl uh, for the 2018 season. So that's kind of what we're doing here. We're really just trying to make this the real deal. We already I think it already is, but we're trying to make it even more special this offseason for you guys. And hopefully based on these first two interviews, you know, we're going to be bringing it. So if you haven't hit that subscribe button, you like what you heard. We'd love for you to uh, be a full timer with us. Hit that subscribe. If you liked what you heard, please hit the reviews. Help us get found. We, We really appreciate any and all feedback. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say we'd like to read the reviews we get on air uh, and all that good stuff and if you have any keeper league questions fantasy questions at all always send them in to us you can find the site rotostreetjournal.com or ffbdpod.com could submit a submit a question button there and, and let's get interactive it's great to hopefully welcome in a new fan base and hopefully we can get you guys to stay for the long haul nice and uh next episode we're going over the early 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 Although maybe not early enough, 2018 Big Board. So tune in for that yeah, one. Second, second version already. I, I released right. that way too early. I call it my not soon enough Big Board. I, know. I right agree. In January. Uh, but after the coaching carousel has stopped spinning at this point, or pretty much obviously the Colts have a guy to hire still. Uh, but ultimately that, that wheel has stopped turning mostly. Uh, so I think values are set for the time being until free agency. So I released a new Big Board. I know you're ready to dig in and rip it to shreds, and I'm ready to defend it. What we're going to make sure we do, though, is we're going in cold. Like, it's only been released for a day. I know you've written down the guys you want to talk about, but I have no idea who you're coming at for me. So it's going to be a battle that just is kind of spur of the moment. Going to be a good one. Get the gun show ready. It's going to be a duel. Can't wait. Nice. All right, guys. Uh, We'll get out of here on that. My name is Nat The Truth Jones. And I'm The Wolf. Make sure you're following us on all those social medias, Roto Street Journal, Instagram, and Facebook, Roto ST Journal, Twitter, and Snapchat. And for me personally, you can find me at Roto Street Wolf, Twitter, and Snapchat. Hit me up with any and all questions. Love the interactions. See you guys later. Later, guys. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd. Take our final bow Oh, it's our time to go But at least we stole the show 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 At least we stole the show
old-fashioned football right there, folks.